Hello, my name is Gary and this is episode 45 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On today's show we'll be talking to people who bought the first mass market industry leading EV, the Model 3. Before we get started, I wanted to thank people for listening to the podcast. Since the Duncan Jones episode, we've seen a a little peak in the number of listeners, as evidenced by my statistics. But if you listen and enjoy this podcast, please give me a signal boost, tweet the link out, or talk about it on Facebook. Every bit helps. Also, can I remind you that we have a companion podcast called the EV Musings Redux, which goes a bit behind the scenes of this podcast and plays all the audio we edit down on the show if you wish to hear the full interviews. Our feature topic today is around the Model 3. In the introduction, I called it the first mass market industry leading EV. There are listeners driving Nissan Leafs or Renault Zoe who will argue with that, and that's fine. But to my mind, Tesla are the company that have brought EVs to the mass market, and the Model 3 has effectively cornered the market for those vehicles. Sales are through the roof, and in the UK at least, the Model 3 is one of the best-selling EVs ever, despite only having been on general release since the middle of 2019. A few months ago, Simon interviewed Electric Petrolhead, who was a Model S owner, about his experiences with the car. That episode is linked in the notes. So for this episode, I put a call out on Twitter for Model 3 owners who wanted to come and talk about their experience. I was interested in understanding what brought them to EVs and why the Model 3 was a choice for them. Two people came forward, both of whom are fairly new to the EV world and both of whom bought Model 3s as their first Tesla. The following interviews were recorded over Zoom, so any audio glitches are a result of that. I asked both drivers to tell me about their path to owning an EV. I had a previous ICE car, and I can say ICE now with confidence, knowing that that's a different thing. That's Gary Wales, Model 3 Standard Range Plus. And it was, you know, I'd just finished paying for the loan on it, and it was, you know, freewheeling for a while. And um, it was coming to the end of its life, really. I was aware of electric cars. I wasn't, it's a bit like a a white white good or a washing machine. You know, you only look into the, the sort of, what they can offer to you when you actually need to buy one um and the car the previous ice i had unfortunately the uh timing chain went which was you know horrendously expensive as it is and so my um uh, my idea about getting my next car being electric was brought forward um and i had i, I know you uh, fairly well and i know that you had an electric car for a good year and so i was picking your brains and you were kind enough to to lay all the options out on the table to me um a good nine, nine, ten months ago when I was thinking about this. And then you mentioned um, all these different models uh, and you mentioned the Tesla Model 3, which I, I hadn't heard about, actually, to be honest, at that point. And I went away and I did a bit of research. And, um, and then sort of the, the, whole, the whole plethora of electric cars was open to me. Um, and so that's really how I came into it. I was sort of forced into an early, early decision to get to an electric car. This was reflected elsewhere. My journey started as a lover of technology. John Hast, Model 3 performance owner, but also a BMW i3 owner. I read up initially about Tesla, probably in 2012 when they brought the Model S out uh, in America. And it was very interesting to me, fully electric, big screens and blah, 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 blah. It wasn't until 2016 that it really became apparent that, you know, I might be able to get 
one. And then the i3 came into the picture, which was a bit more affordable. And I had a look at it and I took one out for a test drive and that was it really. I bought it there and then. The real eye opener, I think, was taking that car for a test drive and realizing just how blinking fast it was. Yeah, the uh, the i3 blew me away, which cemented for me, I suppose, um, my reservation that I, I put down for the Tesla Model 3 back in 2016. The first thing I wanted to know was what was their experience in ordering the Model 3? John Hast was pretty much a day one reservation holder. How long did he wait for his car? Three, three years and five months and 22 days, if that helped. Although, once he'd made the reservation, he then had an opportunity to configure the vehicle before delivery. The orders opened, uh, I think it was May last year. So I waited uh, until July. Before that point, Tesla had restricted a few options. So you couldn't get the white interior. You could only get the black interior. They had removed some wheel options from uh, from the car as well. So the, the long range um, all wheel drive version of the car, you couldn't get the sport wheels with it. Um, I was waiting predominantly for that white interior because that was one of the choices that that I really wanted, uh, that and, and the sport wheels. Um, and the moment that I had found out that he had changed it so I could order the white interior, that's when I really started making my choices. And Gary got his through a lot quicker. How long did he wait? I think it was three months, actually, which was, um, wasn't too bad. I think it uh, it was extended a little bit. So uh, I remember picking it up and, I, and they didn't have it on the, on the day and I, I was at Heathrow. So I had to get a, um, uh, a previous older model, which was great fun for, for a week and, and getting it to dance for friends and what have you. Uh, but obviously I was anxious to get the Model 3 and, and having driven both, the, the 3 was, was much more my, my, my style. So yeah, I think it was three months. Um, it, I think it could have been shorter. And during that time, of course, like most people who ordered Model 3, you're watching the, uh, the ships come from San Francisco and various other places and hoping that it gets to Southampton, <laughs> gets to you fairly quick. Gary Wales has purchased his model outright on Tesla Finance, taken a loan, whereas John Haas has leased his Model 3 performance. Every owner has to name their car, so what did our guys call theirs? I call my uh, Model 3 uh, Fenchurch, and that's just a reference to uh, Arthur Dent's uh, Human Soulmate from Hitchhiker's Guide of the Galaxy, mentioned on page one of the, the very first book, but sort of more more obvious in So Long and Thanks for All the Fish. So yeah, super geeky, aren't we all? I'm pretty big fan of Tron and that kind of, those film films, uh, and um the car is is quite futuristic to me and it looks fantastic so i coined the term light runner both men got their vehicles through within about two or three months of each other and they've both been driving them around on a daily basis since they got them if you're buying a model 3 or indeed any tesla you're going to be buying into the ethos of the mark this includes the supercharger network i asked the guys about their experiences with this Gary Wales was lucky enough to pass one on his way to work, but there was an issue with it. You know, for a good two months, uh, that was underwater and that was always in the press. Um, but then there's one on the way to Reading at, at, at various um, Green Park, which has been fine. And so, uh, annoyingly, of course, with lockdown, I haven't been able to use a supercharger mark. Um, and my supercharger miles are 
are due up in about a month's time. And I don't think I can actually charge it with 500 miles between now and then. So uh, they've extended by a month, but I don't think I'm going to be able to um, have those supercharged miles. Uh, but I've been very happy with the ease of use of the supercharger network. I've not found any out of use apart from obviously the flooding issue. Um, and the speed, the charge speeds are great. I learned from you and I learned from a lot of people that just a small amount just to get you to the next one is much better than sitting there for 30, 30 minutes to try and charge it up to your full amount. Um, it's just a mindset change, isn't it, really? 120 kilowatts was was normal um, for most of them. Um, I think the only place I've had to wait, um, which was a very busy uh, charger stop uh, along the M4 uh, memory services, I think it was, Mm -hmm. um, which um, they only allowed you to charge to 80% before you had to move your car. We talk a lot on this podcast about range anxiety. So naturally, I wanted to see if the Model 3 met the owner's expectations regarding that. For John, there was only one answer. Yeah, it really is. Um, I'm probably getting 300 miles. And is that consistent, especially over winter? Mm, over winter, I can probably expect 280 but Gary Wales had a slightly different answer. Um, I had some expectations that it wouldn't be as good. And unfortunately, I did buy the car during the mid middle of winter, which meant that um, I, I was quite shocked that I had to charge it every sort of four days from almost full to about 15%. And I was only going to Reading and back, which is, I, I live in uh, near Fleet. So it wasn't as not far as 14 miles, is it? But of course, you know, with the warm weather, you know, you're picking up a, a, a lot more miles, um, your, your what hours, um, What's around much much less, uh, so that that was a little bit of a stinger. But you know, if I can plug it at home, I just have to forget that. I'm not I'm not overly penny pinching. It's still it's still obviously cheaper than fuel. Gary mentioned charging at home. I wanted to know what setup these guys had for their home charging. John Hast. When I placed the order um, for the Model Three in July, I then took the decision to buy the official Tesla uh, wall charger, which is I think approximately four hundred pounds so i bought that outright well i mean i i, I rent the, the house that i have um and the as you say the the actual allocated parking is behind the house up the back garden and out um and uh, it, it crosses a footpath which isn't that often used so i knew that i initially i thought well i, I wouldn't be able to charge the car at home i certainly couldn't do it at the front and i didn't think i could do it at the back because i wasn't sure that the 13 amp would work um, with the, my necessity to get to work and back and the time it would take to charge. And, you know, eventually I thought it would be a, um, a race to the bottom and I, I, was, I just couldn't get the charge overnight that I'd need to get to work without supercharging now more frequently. But then I did discover then I could use the, the rickety old 13 amp in the shed and it, and it does charge, um, you know, could 50%, 50-60% from, say, 8 o'clock at night till 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock in the morning. So that has, that, 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 as soon as that worked for me, it didn't worry me. For someone who had no work or home charging, certainly couldn't buy a, a charger, a, you know, a normal a speed charger. I've, I've, been, I've been fine with that. So did either driver have reservations about getting a Model 3? No, not really. Um, it looked incredible um, back in 2016. Um, all the specs were there and I was just thinking to myself, yeah, this, this would be good. It might be a pipe dream. I might not be able to go there. I've got a long time to wait, you know, um, that, that's what I was thinking because, uh, you know, right hand drive, um, will it actually come over here? You know, there, there were a couple of thoughts for me. Um, 
but yeah, uh, it was um, it was good too. Plus, I saw it as 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 a little bit of uh, supporting Tesla in their mission because their mission statement, I think, I think it hits home for quite a number of people. You know, they're they're about to accelerate the the the, the transport to um, sorry the, the the accelerate to sustainable transport uh, and and a greener way of living and I think that's that that hit hit home with me um, more than any other electric car company or, or car company in general has has made a statement thereof. So yeah, unequivocally no. I, 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 there's nothing that I, I, the one joy about this is actually having made a decision that is so right for me, that has proven to be so right, albeit with a few you know, little issues with customer service, um, that I, I just feel that that's, uh, as they vindicated my decision. And, and that actually is also part of my buying experience is having made the right choice and, and, and feel that I still want to go out and drive that car as soon as I can, I will, you know, um, but I am more interested in EVs, and I think that's another um, cachet, isn't it? In, in sense of there's a halo effect of the you know having bought into EV, you want to know about other EV things. So you know, I want to go and see fully charged show. I'm interested in other cars that are coming out. I'm never a petrol head. I mean, I, I've had so many cars in my life, but I'm so much more interested in the tech and the advancement of EVs and the, the whole clean, ecologically friendly aspect to it. I see it's, it's essential. I see it as stupid not for society not to switch over quite quickly now, having got into that. You know. And I will be an advocate just as you've been, and you've been a very successful one. Having looked at both the decision to buy, the purchasing and delivery experience, the supercharging network and home charging, we should probably ask the million dollar question. Has being an EV owner met your expectation? Well, as you would expect, the answer is yes, but with qualifications from Gary. Uh, the, the EV experience, the driving an electric vehicle and the range and all this sort of thing actually just completely, um, you know, it's just a certain amount of anxiety before you start because it's completely different to what you know. But I set it to percentage on the car rather than miles. And I, I haven't thought about it second. I've not run out. I've not gone near, nearly running out. And so the whole, the whole aspect of that has just been almost forgettable. You know, it's just seamless to me to actually get into the car and take off. From a Tesla point of view, um, I love the car. I think everyone who buys them do, uh, you know, do fall in love with them, love with driving. But the Tesla experience itself, apart from the, the obviously the, the ease of ordering it online, the after sales and the, the pickup and what have you, has been, well, it has, it has fallen well short. But then I, I had I had an expectation, uh, having researched that that might be the case. But I've still yet to have a, a things looked at it that were noted on collection despite having two or three appointments that were cancelled and a mobile appointment that was cancelled then obviously lockdown which doesn't help so um so that's not been great the i3 because it was the first generation so it was the 18 kilowatt hour battery it was it was small enough that i could happily charge it with the three pin so Mm -hmm. at my previous house i wouldn't have to worry about that that was that was great um and and just traveling in the car just going out for a drive in it it was just it reminded me of of when i when i loved driving if anything i think i was blown away about how good it was to drive versus the other cars that i'd had surely there must be something that these drivers don't like about their teslas 
I think you mentioned the test of stretch to me, which is, you know, it's just slightly out, you know, there's, there's, there's a carrot just slightly out of your budget. Um, and I really wasn't in the market to start spending, uh, you know, an enormous amount of money per month on a car, even with a fairly big down payment. The question of whether range anxiety and what, all those sort of things were actually nullified by having spoken to you, and and you were so dismissive of of, of that, it didn't affect your you know daily journeys, and you had you know considerable journeys, probably more so than I, and so I was comforted by the fact I didn't need to have that that anxiety, um, and I think for me the, the the entry level tester was the one I wanted just to reach up to, and I'm sure that's part of their marketing plan. You know they they must price it at a certain level. But there were other cars, and there were second-hand, very good cars, you know, the, and and even new the BMW i3s and things like that. Were there were some really really good. It, when I went to the EV meet, I was I thought let's be sober about this. Let's look at the other options. Don't just go for the, the one I want. And you know, we had a look around. We had to drive in a few. Then I got in the Model Three Performance, and of course, at that point, there was no other competition in my mind. I was very lucky with the Model 3. I think I got a very good deal out of it, um, especially for the model that, that I chose, which was the performance. Um, would I have done anything differently? No, I really wouldn't. Three things I don't like. Um, one, the, uh, the customer service. I mean, you don't need to get involved with the customer service, but the fact it's been non-existent hasn't, hasn't been great. It's a real shame. It doesn't reflect well on the brand. Two, um, the build quality is great on my car, but the, the I think the paint paint work on all testers is a little bit soft, so I'd be wary about cleaning that other than by hand, which I have been doing. Um, and three, what's the third thing? The the fear of having a puncture, um, because it's just one of those things that it's a nightmare. Um, you can't, you don't have a spare. You know, you've got to call an emergency service, you know, or tester service, or what have you. And I don't want to stick a, a, a huge spare tire or run flat in the boot. What's the point of doing that? I would like a heads-up display. I think that would help. Mm-hmm. Um, although it's not needed, it's really difficult because it is so good. It's so much fun. Um, no, I, I have no, I have no thoughts about what else I would change. I'll let Gary finish this segment with his thoughts about what excites him about the Model 3. Uh, it still excites me to get into the car and, you know, the driving position fits, which, is, you know, obviously a lot of cars do that. And then just putting a foot on, on, on the pedal and it just silently taking off and having that um, instant torque. Um, you know, I'm not a racing driver or anything like that, but actually having that power to hand over an ice car the, the, the whole braking and the whole taking off there's so much more precision and it just feels a, a much cleaner way i mean literally cleaner uh, not not just ecologically but cleaner way to drive in crisp in a crisp way um and i i just that's that's something that i think all ev drivers will get so that to me is an ev driving experience uh for the tester specifically it's um I just love the car. I love the shape of the car. I love the cut, the way the car came with the, the you know, the, the trim and the, the board dash thing, which a lot of people don't. Um, and of course, you know, the, the, the fairly frequent updates. You know, I, I got into the car last week and I updated another software, and now it can recognise bins and things. It's just it's crazy that something I bought, you know, five months ago, now has more features and is 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 a better car than it was. That to me is is that's the future, isn't it? I mean, that's just downloading ability to your car 
it's like I'm wrapping a new present each time. And that, that's, that's kept my momentum going about the enjoyment of driving an EV car, I think, is having that, um, that regular update. And of course, there's, you know, you, you can like or dislike Tesla, you're either a fanboy or not. Um, and, and I'm not particularly a fan of Elon Musk, for example, but I think they're the whole the personality of Tesla in the car, at least, is an, an enjoyable enjoyable thing i really do um i I embrace that technology part of it it's time for a cool ev or renewable thing to share with you listeners i'm back on one of my favorite topics at the moment electric aviation a new article came out recently discussing the topic of plasma jets for electric aviation plasma jets use electricity to turn the air into plasma which is the state of matter consisting of an aggregate of charged ions it exists naturally in places such as the sun's surface and earth's lightning but it can also be generated and it uses that to propel the aircraft forward the beauty of this is that it's more powerful than a propeller plane and there's nothing burned so there are no emissions of course these tests are only in a laboratory at the moment and there are issues with efficiency which will need to be addressed But seeing that 80% of the world's emissions issues come from long-range flights, something such as this, if scalable, could go a long way to reducing these emissions. I'll keep an eye on this. And that's our show for today. Another one in the can, as the pros say. Thanks to my two guests today, Gary Wales and John Haas. Their contact details are in the show notes. If you want to contact me, I'm the real Gary C on Twitter, or use the EV Musings Twitter account, Musings EV. If you're wanting a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Got Electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Links for everything I've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review as it helps raise our visibility and extend our reach in search engines. Thanks, as always, to my program's co-founder, Simon. You know, we recently did a survey of all the old stations in central London named after streets. He looked at Cannon Street, he looked at Broad Street, he looked at Old Street. I asked him which was his favourite. He was very quick to answer. Uh, Fenchurch, and that's just a reference to uh, Arthur Dent's uh, Human Soulmate. <laughs>